Welcome to the Rural Revival Podcast. I'm your host, Dana Larson. This week we're in Brookville, Kansas with Riley Weimer of Savannah Sevens, an online Western boutique that mixes mainstream fashion with rodeo and Western style. As someone who had never worked a day in retail before this business, Riley's sharing about her journey from a degree in construction management to creating an online boutique. Plus, how she's created a sustainable business and brand and the value of staying in your own lane. So here we go with Riley Weimer. Well, we're here today in Brookville, Kansas with Riley Weimer of Savannah Sevens. Riley, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dana. It's a pretty cool opportunity. Um, so I'm very flattered that you asked. Well, good to be here. Tell us about you. This is your hometown, right? It is, yes. Um, the shop is actually, it has a Brookville address, but we're about 15 miles from Brookville, the little town of 260. So yeah, um, I grew up here. My family, um, you know, has always been involved in rodeo and kind of the Western lifestyle. And um, everyone in this area, it seems like, has a tie to ag, um, a lot of farming, you know, ranching in this area. So, um, yeah, all the things that I love, I get to be around every day. And us, you know, all of us here at the shop, the girls, um, we can look out and see horses right outside the shop. And, you know, it just makes it where we're not in a you know, just live in the city and concrete everywhere. (laughs) Yes, it's pretty beautiful out here, especially today. The ground is covered with snow. It's been snowing all morning, so it's really gorgeous. Well, what was it? I know you left for college. Mm -hmm. What was it that brought you back here? Slower pace of life. Um, You know, after working, I think it was about four years outside of college um, in Fort Worth, I loved it, but um, definitely not where you want to raise a family or, um, but it was good. You know, I loved it for the time that I was there and it just made you appreciate a slower pace of life and a good old boy way of doing business and coming back home. So yeah, Um, I actually got a degree in construction management and um, which is kind of a 180 from what I'm doing now, but (laughs) (laughs) that's what my, um, my, my grandpa, my dad, my brother has always done. And I can't hammer nails straight, um, so it's kind of probably a shock that I went into that industry. But um, you know, I love the management process and what we, what um, you create. So went that route and worked for about four years in Fort Worth, and then um, wanted to move back home and work with my parents in their construction company. So that's kind of what brought me back back here. So yeah, good. Well, when was it that you had the idea about Savannah Sevens? You know, I'd been back here probably about a couple years, and um, you can imagine my social life going from Fort Worth to the Salina, Kansas, Brookville, Kansas area. Drastic Um, change. Yes, (laughs) yes. Loved it, but, you know, we moved back home, and I'm sure this experience for a lot. Um, You know, all your friends are married and have kids, and you don't know what you're going to do with your time on a Friday, Saturday night. And um, I traveled a lot, rodeoing, barrel racing, and... Um, would go see my friends in Oklahoma and Texas. Um, but I thought, you know, I should be not spending money every weekend to go do something. I should be making money, you know, if I'm <laughs> going to travel. And so um was really just, I loved working for my parents, loved what I did, but was just bored in time, my time after work. And so um, just kind of started brainstorming and um, loved the idea of a boutique. But then I was just really kind of reality check, like, is this really the place for it, Riley? You know, I came from Fort Worth where you'd find a boutique on every corner. So 
I was like, ah, you know, maybe this is kind of risky, not where, what I should do. But then, you know, I've always had my parents support and everything I wanted to do, really cool thing to have. And, um, you know, we brainstormed lots of ideas, looked in little small towns like, you know, on the main street. And there's some really unique towns in this area that Ellsworth is beautiful and really cool old cow town. I was like, oh, this would be a great place. But, you know, do you really have the traffic for what I was wanting to do and, and the type of boutique I wanted? And so really it was a blessing in disguise that we did live in the middle of nowhere. And um, it made me go the direction of just going online versus having that brick and mortar, um, you know, a lot lower overhead and everything. And so um, I thought, oh, maybe if I grow, you know, I could do a brick and mortar too. But really, I've gotten such a strong customer base and repeat customer base of just online that it's, you know, it takes all your resources to just do that. And it's almost like would be running a second business if I were to do brick and mortar too. So it really just pushed, you know, my location pushed me to go online. And it, you know, was a great thing. If I'd been in a more populated area, I might have went a different direction and it may not have been as successful. Yeah. So has it always stayed online since then? It has. Yeah. For a short time in the beginning, um, you know, the first couple of years I did some shows and traveled to um, really just stayed for the most part, Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma. Um, I did a sh show in Scottsdale, Arizona, but outside of that, you know, pretty much stayed close to home and some rodeos and barrel races and um, all with the free help of my parents traveling with me <laughs> and doing shows. And um, there was definitely a time and place for, you know, getting my name out there and it helping. And, you know, some of them was around stock shows and things. And um, I still have some of those customers. So it definitely was, you know, great in getting my business started. Now, I think to do those would be even tougher than seven years ago when I was doing them um, because you can buy everything online. You don't have to wait till that one event or one trade show comes around a year to go shop. So, um, you know, I think I hit it at a unique time where there was still some traction there and helping start my business. Um, but it soon became where if I could just stay home and invest my time in my website and what I'm doing there, um, I'd see more results in that. So it was a cool experience to do. I'm just glad I don't have to do it anymore and yeah. I can, I'm able to stay home more. So that's really nice. So with this being online only, I would imagine that customer experience is a big focus of yours. It is, yes. Um, you know, that along with what my business was going to be about and what I was going to sell, I spent months, probably four to five months of just brainstorming, what, it, what am I going to create that's different and offer that's a different experience than everyone else? I mean, at that time then, you know, online retail was, it was really kicking off. And it's now even so much larger. So it's the, the market's even more saturated. And I think having that clear picture in the beginning of what I was going to do and what I was going to offer and trying to find a niche market was so critical then and even more so now and what has probably been the number one thing of success, I think, for um, the longevity of, you know, Savannah 7 sticking around. And growing up rodeoing, I always loved kind of mixing my style of mainstream fashion with rodeo. And, you know, when I went to the rodeo, you know, you kind of wore, you had your casual pieces and then you switched over to your rodeo shirt, your pearl snap, your button down. And, you know, I just felt like there was a lack of places that you could shop that truly fit someone that lived the Western lifestyle all day, all day long, seven days a week. You know, it was like you either went to a mainstream big box store and you bought that rodeo shirt or you went to the mall. You know, there wasn't a place to shop online or you know, brick and mortar that offered, a, you know, to dress you seven days a week, work, ranch life, whatever that may be, farming, you know, your lifestyle and truly fit your lifestyle. And so I, I think I honed in on that right away that that's what I wanted to offer because I was having to try to kind of combine 
places I was shopping to fit my style. And so I felt a need there. And then also, you know, um, wanting to provide that experience online is a difficult thing. And so that's when I knew I wanted everything from my brand, the look of my business, how you unwrap your package, the tag, everything about the business to have that rustic feel, that tie to the Western lifestyle. And I think that is another piece that has continued to make things, you know, flow and people relate to my brand. My, my pictures, I think, have always stayed consistent from the beginning um, on the product pictures, the backgrounds. I have customers, so many customers that recognize our pictures when they get used by others or, you know, <laughs> right. they kind of show up places they shouldn't be on the internet um, and being used, you know, by other companies that are now there's lots of, you know, faulty, um, I don't know if they're China companies that are, you know, using stolen images and people aren't receiving a product. But you know, everyone recognizes my pictures because they've been this consistent look from the beginning, which is a really cool thing. And our customers are telling us. Um, and so, you know, just having that is proven true to the loyalty of your customer and then being able to relate to a lifestyle and the product that ties into that. So, um, yeah, I think that's kind of been the biggest thing of, of helping me find that that customer that fits what we're selling. Yeah. You've done a great job of creating a niche how do you stay true to that? Um, it is tough. Um, you know, when I go, I pick out at market every piece that we sell. I've felt it. I've looked at it. I know that I like the quality of it. And I have to do the shopping for our customer. They can't come in the door and do that for themselves. So to be able to offer quality products and find that unique thing and the new thing that's trending, but not the extreme of I've done the thing of, okay, yep, this is what follows a trend, but we're not going to go to the extreme. And if it looks bad on you, like we're not, we're not carrying it, you know, and uh -huh. we're not going to offer it to you. And I, I've always from the beginning said this either looks like it came, you know, it's from Savannah Sevens. It fits our collection. We're not going to chase every trend, crazy trend that, that comes along, but we also got to kind of stay up with what's new. And um, when I go and choose styles that I want to carry so many times you'll have someone try to sell to you, oh, this is our hot seller. This is number one. This is why everyone's buying. Well, then I probably don't want it. You know, and that's yeah. what my customer is like, too. They don't want to wear the same thing as 10 other girls when they go somewhere. And so trying to find something that's unique and not what everybody else has is what has been my focus from day one and trying to stay true to that. And, you know, I think when everything flows and it's a collection, you know, the style here, if you like one thing, you probably like most everything. Or you don't. And it's not your style. And, that, and that's fine. Um, but I think it makes our customers keep coming back. So once they feel comfortable with the quality and the look and, and they like the style, then they start trusting other things that might be outside of their comfort zone, um, but they know that they like the other things that they previously got. So staying true to that, um, the quality and the look and what truly looks like an item from Savannah Sevens, I think um, has grown that repeat customer that so many of them, you know, we become so close with. We know if they order wrong size, like, oh, we should really tell them. Like, we know that they should have this size. I mean, it's just a really cool thing. It's like we become friends with so many people that we've never met. But That's yeah. so good. I know this can be a competitive niche. How have you made the business sustainable and kept it going when maybe others have kind of fallen off the radar? How have you stood the course? I think you, it's something that in the industry, um, different groups – that I've been involved in and um, we have one that's um, you know a lot of makers and influencers and photographers and so many people with so many talents that are related to the western industry it's really cool and and when we get together and put our heads together and things is um, you know 
we're all helping each other to try to keep that Western industry strong and alive and grow, um, like a lot of small businesses or other boutiques, and and try to keep that where people aren't shopping at the big box stores and and they want unique and they want custom. But the biggest thing I think is, we always say, just stay in your own lane. Um, you know, a lot of times if you're not, f- like if you're trying to do something and you know that you want to be a maker of this one thing or or offer, offer a, a service or something, if you're not closely following what the competition is doing, I mean, you need to know what the trends are and different things like that. But if you aren't really following closely to your competition, you're not influenced by them. And it's it's a subconscious thing. I mean, you start doing what the masses are doing, and then you it comes it dilutes what you're doing and your uniqueness. And I think um, sometimes if you're just doing your own thing and creating and you know, then if someone's copying you, you're already on to the next thing, you know, and it's a pretty cool thing that you're not so worried that someone's kind of replicating something because maybe that's last season and you're already on to the next thing. And um, something that we've talked about a lot in those groups is when you aren't kind of subconsciously influenced by your competition, you're not, you don't start doing the same thing. And um, I think that's part of it. And just our customer service, I think is huge. Um, Tiffany and Peyton that work here and um, other girls that have worked here prior to, they truly care about Savannah Sevens and the customers. And I mean, it sounds crazy, but they have a relationship with so many of our customers that you wouldn't expect to have with an online business. And, you know, just providing that we have customers who are like, I get this faster than Amazon Prime and I don't have to pay a membership. And so um, <laughs> we've always tried to ship really quick. And in the beginning when I didn't have full-time help and I'm working seven days a week to just get that out and wear all the hats, you know, and but it's always been that you're going to get your items really quick and we don't sell anything that we don't have in-house. So it's going out to you really quick and not that delay and just that kind of instant gratification if a customer can get something right away I mean it makes them ready to come back and see what else you have so you know all those things the customer experience and kind of doing your own thing I think really maybe makes us is what has made us stick around that's great so let's talk shipping because anyone who has ever shipped even a little bit of product knows how confusing and complicated that can be how did you figure out the shipping game um like anything with this business so obviously I told you that I was in construction management so I have never worked a day in retail before I started this <laughs> business so <laughs> it's a little crazy that that's what I'm doing um but just research like it's so cool what is at your fingertips I mean you want to know something start googling I mean and it's going to lead you down a million rabbit trails and you're going to learn about a million other things that you didn't get on the computer that day to learn but it is so cool what we have access to and that is really the key to starting almost any business or any venture that you want to do. And um, in the beginning, I obviously wasn't doing the most cost-effective process. I got on USPS website, and I think I bought a scale, and I think we're still using the same scale, Um, but, you know, from (laughs) off their website, and would take them in every day. I think I'd print them all out, but they were on, like, you know, a regular printer, 8.5 by 11. I'm taking the paper cutter and cutting them in half, and, you know, and I made my own tags for way too many years. I mean, I had our friends, our family tie in jute string tags and pins on, you know, way too long. <laughs> I'm like, okay, that, that wasn't efficient use of time or money probably. But you know, like you say, you do what you got to do in the beginning to make it work. But um, all that to say, we've come a long ways and I always want to know how to do it better. And that's, you know, always on our list to do to like, what's the research to be better offering better um, shipping options. And I mean, I think we do pretty quick, but we have a lot of customers in Canada and Australia. And I know that we should be trying to find a 
a more affordable option because I think we could expand our business in those areas. So that's something that's kind of on our to-do list. Um, there are great things like um, we use a Shopify platform for our website, and they have so many great companies that jo- that work with their system, and um, the one we use is Shipping Easy. And um, what they're able to do in, in companies like them is they take a lot of small businesses and combine the amount of shipping labels and that customers are buying, and they get big business rates and then distribute it on. And so I think that's pretty common, and I know that there's a lot of platforms. Um, we like the one we're on, and it works really well for us to be able to get those negotiated rates. Um, the other thing, though, that is huge for us is that we cannot get the Postal Service to come out here and pick up. So we're hauling things into the back dock into Salina, Kansas, still after seven years, and we've talked, you know, at you know, kind of regional level at the Postal Service trying to get it changed and for them to come pick up. But, you know, to still offer as quick a shipping as we do and at the rates we do, we aren't able to ship over, change over to UPS who would come pick up. So, you know, we have plans and hopefully ideas that we're not hauling them in still all the time. But until then, we're making it work. But it's a little crazy sometimes. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. When would you say the business really started to take off? Um, I can remember at the end of the first year thinking you know, things were pretty grim and should I be doing this? Um, <laughs> and then there's my dad who has been a business owner his whole life. And, um, you know, and he said, you don't just start something and it doesn't just take off overnight. You've got to, you know, invest in something for a couple of years to really expect or think that it's, you're, you know, you're just going to start making it big. And, and so it's great to have someone like that in your corner that's like, okay, you know, it just doesn't take off. But it's thinking, you know, there's big commitments here. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh gosh, I hope I can just sell this inventory and just, you know, um, call it a wash or something, you know, <laughs> it's going to be very nerve wracking at times. But, um, you know, it was probably, I don't know. I, I wrote a, a blog oh, a year ago that I said, I feel like I just made it. And that's six years, but obviously it was, it was having success long before that. But I, that was the first time that I had a life outside of work. It felt like, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. so, um, but, um, you know, you've got to do that for any business. You can't, you got to wear all the hats and you can't afford full-time help, you know, for a lot of years. And it was probably, I think I was in business four years before I had my first full-time employee. Um, but I also had, you know, all the time I'll say, I will, would have never been able to do this without my family, my parents and my husband, everyone making sacrifices with their time. You know, time is huge. You can't, you, you can't put a, a value on that, that when someone can give you their time and my dad, you know, built my displays for my shows and built the shops that I work out of and, you know, all of that, the rustic backdrops and things and, um, or just out here helping ship my husband, my parents, you know, and putting tags on and all of that. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's really cool thing. And so that was the biggest thing to be able to ride me through until I could afford, you know, that help. And so, you know, I don't really know when you'd say, oh, this is a success. I mean, I probably really being online and the, how fast things have grown each year is kind of mind-blowing. And even by year two, you'd pr- it was kind of mind-blowing, you wow. know, like, um, but still, you know, took a lot of uh, a lot of hustle and a lot of sacrifices to get to the point where you're like, okay, it's operating good and smooth and, you know, and I have, and I have, right. And I have a life. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely been something that it's continued to grow at a rate that I would have never expected. This was going to be a hobby job that I did on the side. I never planned to quit working for my parents or anything like that. You know, it was just something fun to do on the side and then it took off. So (laughs) I'm so glad it did. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about staff because I think, you know, that's a tough thing as a small business owner. When do you make that jump and how do you go about finding the right people? Any words of advice? 
Um, you know, listening to, I'm mean, knowing what my experiences are, and then listening to others too. And um, it's been interesting sometimes when you see business owners have great success, and like so many times, what I've heard from them is, "I wish I'd done it sooner. I wish I'd made that commitment and that investment to do it sooner." And it's so true. Um, so I don't know when the time is. You know, every business's dynamics a little different of when you truly can't afford to to pay for more help. Or I think my biggest thing has been not necessarily always more help, but quality help. When I finally was like, you know what? Yeah, it's a big investment, but the when I now had the most success is paying at a rate that is not an industry standard. And when you can have someone that truly cares and treats it like their own, you can't even hardly put a value on that one. And then when they also come in and they hustle and they work hard and quick and care about the little details and that's the biggest thing probably about my business I'm so particular about the little details like how the tissue paper is wrapped and where the sticker is placed I mean you know (laughs) Um, I mean just little things like that um someone that truly cares about all those details and sees it through and probably will produce twice the amount of work as someone else so if you were to pay at the lower rate and have to have two people do it and they still don't care as much as the person that you might pay at a higher rate. So I think when I was able to decide I'm going to make that commitment and not pay what an industry standard is, probably pay, you know, am I paying, you know, maybe close to double of what you might pay. I don't know. You know, like I don't even, again, not being in the retail industry, I don't even know (laughs) (laughs) what the norm is sometimes. And so you just have to say, okay, what is it going to take to have this person? What are they worth? And what, what can they produce for you? You know, and that right there is huge. And I, and again, like in our group, um, in the industry where we've gotten together and that's, I've heard that same struggle of like finding good help. And it's like when you invest in them, they invest back into your company for you. Yeah. And I think it's huge. So yeah, you couldn't even pay the, um, the girls that work here. I don't think I could, I couldn't have two people do the quality and, and the amount of work that they produce, you know? Wow. Yeah. So I think, you know, when you give them, opportunity that outside of just one thing and like okay if you can take on this or learn this and do this you know and and provide opportunities outside of just some basic things um they get excited about it too that's great as the business grew besides obviously having to hire people how else did you have to adjust as the volume got bigger and more customers and yeah um well it's really funny we still really operate on a very tiny space as you can see here um it started out that um, I didn't really know where I was going to be living long term. So my dad built a little shop. I'm talking, you know, 14 foot wide by, you know, 22 foot long um, on a building that could be repurposed as a rustic cabin and um, could be moved when I knew where I was going to be living for sure. I wasn't married at the time. And um, now we have a little compound of buildings. So um, <laughs> it's crazy. And I've had, um, you know, like when I first started selling area, the um, regional manager for our area came and had a meeting and he walks in and he's like, this is impressive. And the fact that you do this out of this, like this size, and it is the most efficient small space you've ever seen. And now we have two 40 foot storage containers that are, that's housing a lot of like our packaging and shipping and, you know, materials and things like that. That um, so we've made it work. And every, you know, it was just a few weeks ago, we had my dad add another shelf for more denim because they're, <laughs> we're putting it everywhere, <laughs> but it's a pretty cool thing. Um, and then this little, these little spaces, uh, Peyton, where is a, one of those, um, watches it tracks your steps. I mean, she was walking three miles a day and I'm like, she thinks she'd get dizzy <laughs> and it's such a small space, but it's pretty cool. But I mean, that truly shows what you can do with a small space and keeping your overhead low 
and not having that brick and mortar and not having to have, like, it's another thing that you can offer your employees is you can have a flexible schedule. Your kids need to go to the doctor or you're sick a bunch or whatever. I mean, we still are trying to get, we get, you know, all our orders out and are processing new inventory at the same rate. But, you know, do you need to come in on a Saturday instead of a Monday or, you know, whatever. It's a pretty cool thing to not have that rigid structure of a brick and mortar. And so I think a lot of that flexibility has helped us, you know, keep our costs down low and, and make us efficient. So how has the business impacted your town? You know, when um, you first reached out to me and that's what you had mentioned, part of that being the focus, I'm like, oh, you know, do it do I affect it that much? And yes, I, you know, I'm able to offer a few jobs. I do have um, two girls that work for me as kind of a consultant basis and do help with marketing efforts and things like that. And um, they've been, you know, lifelong friends that I've rodeoed with and things. And so that's cool to have. And, um, but, you know, so there's a few jobs, I guess I've impacted, you know, somewhat and more times than not, it's interesting sometimes when you start out, I mean, I'd have a few open houses and things where people could come shop and now we're not really set up for that. But I find all the time I'll meet people in our area and they're like, oh, I know about Savannah Sevens. And it, I don't know, I guess it just surprises me not having that brick and mortar presence that they they do know about it. And so that's a pretty cool feeling or pretty cool thing. Sometimes I wonder, you know, and hope that I'm having an, an impact or affecting other rural communities. I mean, we sh- ship all over the U.S. and and, you know, I mean, I'm going to guess that I haven't done a study on our on our addresses that we ship to, but 75% of them are rural that we ship to. So, you know, we've not outside of just making connections with those customers um, and kind of getting to know some of them. You know, just you asking me to do this opportunity, I hope that I'm reaching people in other rural communities and, and making an effect there. I don't know, sometimes that I feel like I'm necessarily doing it only just direct in this small town, but um, maybe others, because I think there is so much opportunity in, you know, the success of entrepreneurs and stuff in, in small towns. That's a great answer. It's so true. What are some of the things that you've learned along the way that would help other small business owners, whether they're in retail or not? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I really think you have to have an online presence with any business, if it's a service business, retail, um, anything. Uh, you know, even if you are brick and mortar, having that online presence is how we connect with, you know, our customers daily. Um, and so that would probably be the biggest thing. And Something that I've learned that I'm, we're always trying to perfect, or I shouldn't say perfect, that's not even a, real, a reality, but like get better at is, you know, there's so many different platforms that you can you can reach a following or a customer. And so many times we get blinders on where it's like, oh, we have our success with this one platform. Maybe it's Instagram, you know, and we have a large following there and we feel like as a lot of our success in reaching people. But, you know, you've really got to think outside the box. If Instagram were to dry up one day, what else are you doing? How are you reaching? Have you lost all contact with your customer? That's a scary thing because, you know, Facebook and Instagram change your algorithm, I think, daily yeah. just for fun, just for kicks <laughs> and for us to keep up with. And so, you know, staying up with that and and always trying different things to see what's working on those platforms. And, you know, some things can become stagnant in what you're doing and providing different content um, definitely makes you someone that's interesting to follow and, and offering content different than what you're selling, where you're just not pushing a product. Where, what, are you telling a story about your brand? And, you know, I mean, I, I fall off the bandwagon of, of, of 
doing that. I mean, it, it, it requires so much of your time to offer all the different things that you want to do for your business and what you want to showcase. And you definitely have to prioritize. You, If there's new things you want to do, pick one thing. Prioritize and pick one thing. Get that under your belt. Maybe it's tackling or creating a new account on Instagram, or maybe it's creating a VIP group in Facebook. Um, you know, something that you're wanting to do, um, or how are you going to acquire more emails so that if one of those platforms does dry up, do you still have reach or contact? Or maybe it's now it seems like things are trending text messaging. You know, do you have their do you have all their phone numbers? Um, you know, all of these things kind of always have these things in the back burner. Like, how could I be collecting this information to make sure I have? And no, you can't go out all one week and be like, okay, we're going to start text messaging marketing. We're going to have, you know, an email campa- campaign that's going strong. I mean, all these things take so much time and it's can be overwhelming. And I think you've just got to pick one thing and say, okay, I'm going to learn how to do this and I'm going to learn how to do it well. And then I'm going to do the next thing. And so many times it's like, oh, I want to do all the things and it just is too much. And then you won't do them well, even if you, tr- if you try, you just got to kind of tackle one thing at a time. And we've had things on our to-do list that we want to do marketing-wise or w- ways we want to reach our customer or new experiences that we want to offer our customer. But there's just so much. You only have so much capacity. Yeah, right. so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, But I just think that if you do the research when you and do something and see it through and do it well, you're going to see results and you're going to see that success. But I think you've got to think about how you're always going to be in front of your customer and just kind of letting your business coast and not offering an experience and a reason for your customer to follow you on different platforms, um, they're going to lose touch with you because everyone's on their phone, on their social media all the time. And so you just got to think about trying to be in front of them always. So good. So good. Sometimes something that I feel like, I know it's a really odd thing that I have a construction manager background, but I don't think I realized it until I got started that something that one of my old bosses said then was like, you know, it's it's all about, he was applying it to construction, but it's all about managing time, money, and a product. And, you know, and it's like so true. And I, I'm not good at speaking, but I got asked to speak at one of our women's group, like conference things in April. And that's what I was like, I've carried that over. And it's, you know, yes, as much as I love cute clothes and accessories, I think what I've almost loved more is the, all the different business acts, aspects of it and how it ties into that. I mean, when I'm picking out a piece of clothing at market, I'm sitting there thinking, okay, you know, how am I going to style this? Who is this going to appeal to? Who's going to buy this? What's this customer? You know, like there's so many different things. There's dollars and cents. There's marketing things. There's, okay, well, this is really expensive piece, but it probably is a crop top. So it's going to fit, you know, like a 20 year old. And so like, you know, you, I can't buy a double D, not that double D ranch makes a crop top usually, <laughs> but I'm just saying like a $200 crop top probably isn't going to work for the demographic that's going to buy it. We have a really wide range of customers from, you know, early twenties to like 65, at least, you know, even wider than that probably. But as a whole, I mean, it's pretty steady across all. And so we're buying or like trying to offer for all different types of demographics. And there's just so many parts of the business that plays into every last thing. And I think, you know, whether it's a boutique that you're running or 
you know, anything that you're doing, I think you can't get caught up too much in just your product or just your service. You've got to really truly have an interest in all the aspects of a business or it's going to be really hard. Or you've got to be able to bring on the people that that is their forte. And and I think that's hard sometimes when you asked about like the sustainability and, you know, maybe us lasting longer than others have is I didn't just truly have a passion for clothing and western clothing I had a passion for business and customers and like and seeing things go full circle and offering something to someone um you know hopefully a good experience and and you know somewhat hopefully making a difference or you know making an impact so that you know always comes circles back and resonates with me when that old boss had told me you know time money and a product and people so and to me the people are you know the girls that are working here and our customers, and those are the ones that you've got to make sure are happy and are loving what you're doing. And you know, and time is huge. Time is the other big thing. And something I'd written in my blog that a while back was, you've got to put a value on your time, and a really high value. You got to say, okay, I'm not. No, I'm not making twelve dollars an hour. What is my, you know, what is my value at? Is it thirty? Is it fifty dollars? And did you just spend an hour of your time doing something? that was only making you $20 or, you know, like, was that wasting your time? And if so, then you've got to refine your process or, or quit doing that completely. Like we all have things that steal our time and you're like, okay, I got to get focused here. But really you have to think about, and that was something when I started my business, everyone was having people comment on a, um, on a post to, um, to purchase something. And I thought, this isn't going to work. Because, yeah. I mean, how can I manage PayPal invoices and, um, okay, let me send that to you. Okay, well, that girl didn't pay it. Now let me go to this girl and send her this, all to sell a $25 shirt. I'm never going to make money. And so that's from the very beginning. I, it, people would ask or try, like, hey, send me an invoice. And I'm, go to the website, go to the website. You know, like you had to train your customers and then in your following to do that. But in the long run, I knew that that was how I was going to actually make this profitable. I just didn't see how I was going to be able to manage sending PayPal invoices for hours on a, you know, $27 shirt. And so that was like kind of my whole thing is you've got to, what is your time producing? What kind of income is your time producing and what is it valued at? And so I think that's huge and things that I learned outside of the retail business that has helped me. So, so good. Talk about this group that you're in and how that has helped you. Cause I can imagine that has to be super valuable. Yeah. Um, there is a group of women, um, westward women and then there's another one as well that recently started all things western that's just a public like facebook group too and i mean you don't have to have a business to be part of it i mean they all share all kinds of ideas on where do you find this or how do you do this or you know momming and being on the farm or you know ranch or you know just all different things it's really fun but um there was a conference that i went to last april and uh, like i mentioned with a lot of makers um photographers influencers and things and you know it can be really hard to start a business or even be a business and want to try to learn more. And at first thought, you think, oh, I'm going to go to someone that's doing this and ask them. It's a tough thing, though, because if you think about being a business owner and you're someone that's potentially going to be your competitor wants to come and ask you all the details, it's tough. Because just because you don't you ju- don't live just down the road and you're in another state, being online, everyone's kind of a competitor, you know. And so it's, it is a tough and tricky thing. And and I've had it, I've struggled with, like, I want to give back. People have helped me and helped me up. But, like, how do you also protect your brand and, and, and not hurt yourself by someone that has such a strong interest in the same, same area? And I've 
I think a way that I've been able to feel like, okay, we have to preserve and 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 continue to help grow small business and have to and want to make people shop small, even if it's online, because we've had to make that transition from a a small town buying in your hometown because there's not a lot of businesses there in these small towns to getting online but still shopping small and you've so you've got to be a part of someone that's helping to try to strengthen that and our western industry or or be at boutiques but it's a tough thing to not also just share everything and feel like you're helping your competitor so I think my way that I feel like I've been able to hopefully and I always want to get better and do it more is help like say makers in the western industry they're not my direct competitor yes they're in the retail business but they're making a unique product and collaborate with them on on we make um we do a custom hat every season with Warbonnet Hatworks and it's just a cool thing that helps just kind of um elevate our brands and like and just get more exposure and it's a it's a cool fun thing to do or you know maybe there's a maker that's starting out that um or just younger years in business you know um that they're not really set up to do wholesale but for a short time they could and I can carry their brand for a while and help give them exposure and maybe just things that have helped me or worked for me I can share with them and that's how I feel like I'm better able to give back and not technically kind of hurt myself, you know? And so I also suggest that to people that are starting out um, and want to find a mentor. Like I was able to find people in the wholesale side of things in the Western industry that were so great to me and like really helped me in understanding how it all works and things like that. But I wasn't flat out going and asking a boutique how they do it. And so there's so many people, if you look around in your industry that can help you, but that aren't, you're not, stepping on toes and asking the wrong people and so and then when it comes back around where you can help the next guy there's people in your industry that aren't your direct competitor that I feel like you can help work with and strengthen our community so I really appreciate your transparency because I think that's going to help a lot of people yeah it's tough it's it's you know it's kind of a gray area that it's hard and you you want to give back and you want to help but you also have to kind of protect your brand um Mm -hmm. too and so I hope that I will always continue to get better at that and being like, I can help, you know. And so uh, this year we have plans on trying to just work with um, kind of micro influencers, if you will. Like they're not really even considering themselves an influencer, but, you know, just connecting with people in the rural lifestyle and getting to know ones that are even already our customer and like, who are, you know, what's, what's your life about and what are you doing and being interested in sharing that pretty much more sharing our customer and what they're doing and kind of collaborating with them. Um, you know, I think it's more, it's quality in the customer, potential new customers that you might meet versus trying to do it at a large influencer level. And so I'm interested to see on the new relationships or people we meet through that and, um, kind of connecting more on, a. Um, you know, I think you'll you'll reach those rural communities more directly when it's someone that's just their neighbor. Yeah. So yeah. I agree. That's a great strategy. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I'm excited to kind of always be doing new things or meeting new people through this. So good. So talk about what has been the most rewarding thing out of this business. Oh, gosh. Um, so many unexpected things, um, especially just not even knowing where this was going to go and to, you know, the size that it was going to grow. But um, the coolest thing is the relationships. Um, growing up rodeoing, I my favorite thing about it was um, my mom's family all lives in Montana, so we grow up going up there and things doing horse events and things with our, with our families there and traveling. 
you know, lots of places in the U.S. and um, also doing high school radio and college radio in our area. Um, you had family everywhere you went is what it felt like. It was a really cool thing. And that was, I would try to explain it to, you know, your friends at school and it didn't quite resonate, yeah. but you know, um, it was a really cool connection. And after leaving college, I college radioed and then still had a barrel horse, but you know, work and everything else, you just really didn't go as much. And, and you kind of felt like you were losing touch with those people and in, in that life. And, um, when I started this, it kind of brought it back. There's been so many connections, so many people that are in the Western retail side of things that have either brought relationships back or created new ones because we know the same people. And, and so it's a pretty cool thing that now I'm getting to do my work and do it in that same feel and that same family. And it has brought me, you know, connections with so many, it's with influencers and customers and um, people on the whole side, side of things, but nationwide. And, you know, I now have that, those, that same dynamic. I can travel to different states and be like, oh, I'm going to meet up with so-and-so. And, and it's a, also a, a crazy you know, dynamic of how that's changed since growing up. Now it's like, well, I've never met you in person, but we're friends through social media, yeah. you know, and like, yeah. okay, we're going to meet up at this. And so, um, the relationships and then, you know, I've gotten to do all of this with my family, like, and have them there in my corner and I'll never be able to repay them for what they've done for me. And, but it's cool to, you know, my mom comes to market with me a lot. The girls from the shop get to come too. And, but it's just more life experiences that you get to do with your family and just doing, you know, having that flexibility and um, and being able to raise our kids in this lifestyle. My husband ranches as well. And, you know, I think just having my our day-to-day work life involved in the rural, like, ag, you know, world is a pretty cool thing. And I think we'll be able to teach our kids a lot of great values, you know, since we're, we get to live this life every day. Yeah. What is it that you love most about rural living and getting to do this from your hometown? You know, just slower pace of life you just drove you know 10 miles on dirt roads to get out here yeah. and <laughs> covered in snow today sometimes muddy um I guess you know the girls would probably appreciate a little bit better roads out here but you know it's just it's it's easy you're not living in a rat race and um you can kind of breathe in some fresh air see the stars at night like I forgot there were stars I think when I lived that close to the city <laughs> yep. so um yeah and I just think that sometimes you're a little bit removed from the craziness of this world and you know, there's a lot more just wholesome you know um good relationships that you have with people out here and um yeah I just love that that's that gets to be my work life too yeah yeah well what's next for you in Savannah Sevens oh gosh um sometimes you know where I said oh last year I feel like I've made it and it's just like at a good point and it's a good place and and I've you know, I'm getting to enjoy life outside of work and things like that. And there's a good balance, I think. And uh, so I guess I don't have huge plans to scale, just mega huge. Because yeah. at some point, like, I feel like I've got to always have my hand in what I'm doing. There's, you know, you definitely have to be able to delegate things to be able to to grow and, like, and manage things so that you, you're operating well and smoothly. But there's certain things that... You know, me always being the ones that pick out the clothes and I'm the one that styles the clothes and writes the captions and, um, you know, things like that. Once you lose that touch, it's not Savannah Sevens anymore. So I guess for that reason, I don't see myself scaling to some crazy size. But that's yeah. okay, too. Yeah. You know, um, I say that, you know, last year I was like, okay, 
we're, we're not even, no plans to really even grow. And it still grew, you know, but sure. like, I mean, it will if we continue to do the things that improve our customer experience and what, I mean, everything that we're doing, we're always working to try to improve it. So to say that we're not going to grow is not real, real realistic. It's continuing <laughs> to grow, but I guess I don't want to scale to a crazy size that I no longer have that personal touch and we're offering that Savannah Sevens experience. So, but yeah, to just be able to continue it and maintain, sustain it is, you know, in this really saturated retail, like online retail world, I think just working to keep doing what you're doing is a lot of work, you know, because Absolutely. you're all, you're constantly, um, you have new obstacles to to tackle so yeah just to stay up with <laughs> everything online so. yeah so how do we follow along and keep up with everything you have going on and order yeah. clothes and jewelry yes and- so um we have a pretty streamlined process for ordering off of our website and um you know we try to offer unique experiences on different platforms we showcase most all of our new products on you know, our Facebook and our Instagram, but we also have a VIP Facebook group that everyone in that group gets to shop new arrivals on Thursday nights and Sunday nights before everyone else for 24 hours. So you don't chance your size selling out and things like that. So um, I know a lot of our customers really enjoy that, getting first dibs at everything. And here in a couple months, we're starting text messaging marketing. Um, Just like our emails, it's not going to be bombarding you with lots. It's just going to be a few times a month. And there's going to be definite perks to, you know, signing up for that and um, kicking off with a really cool giveaway in the beginning. And, you know, different discounts there and um, we also offered some um, about once a month discount things on our email too so there's kind of all the different platforms hopefully we're offering a different experience for you Um, yeah so and we're always open to ideas on what you want to see from us that's going to make us better and a better buying experience for you that's great well we will link to all of that in the show notes so people can find it one last question because I can't get away without asking you this but what is your best fashion tip Oh, man. You definitely have to be comfortable in what you're wearing. Um, I think sometimes we push our customer to get a little bit outside of their comfort zone with maybe a new trend or this or that. But I promise we won't go too crazy and that it will be flattering still. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm a basics kind of gal, honestly. Like, I love dressing up for an event and getting that specialty outfit and, you know, picking out all the little details for it. But for every day, I think little things of just taking the outfit that you always wear and doing a little something different with it, whether it's, you know, cuffing, you know, you've got a button down for work, but you're cuffing back the sleeve or, you know, you can make the same basic shirt. If it's a, I wear, we offer a lot of solids and, you know, just changing up the jewelry that you put on or the accessories or, you know, just that can change up a look so much with something that you already have in your closet. And so I think I've always been one that really invests in my footwear, my denim and my accessories because they're shirts, you know, you can have a pretty basic shirt and make a pretty cute outfit on just all the different accessories you have. So, yeah. yes. Well, and I love how on your Instagram, you are posting outfits. It's not just, you know, one product. Usually it's a whole outfit. So it gives people great ideas. Right. We try to do that. And we always have where you can kind of picture a look together instead of, okay, what am I going to do with this one thing? And so that's something that I, I guess I forget, but I think it does help our customer when they can't be there to try it on, imagine how they might wear something or, you know, at least give them one way to style it and then they can take it and make it their own and, you know, do other looks as well. I love it. It's great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great to be here. I love what you're doing. It's been fun to watch your business grow and we look forward to what's ahead. So. All right. Well, thank you.
Yeah. Thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah. And I'm excited to keep following you guys. And it's really cool. All of the different entrepreneurs. It's so vast. And it's and sometimes I'm thinking, oh, I'm not near as creative as I think I am because there's so many people that are doing such cool business ideas all across America. So I love that you're highlighting all of this. It's a very cool thing. Thank you. It's very fun. Well, I love Riley's transparency and intentionality behind her brand and business. It's so fun to hear about the business side of her boutique, and I'm excited to watch some of these new ideas play out over this next year. Be sure to check out the show notes for links and to get on the Savannah 7's email list and VIP Facebook group for early access and discounts. Also, I just want to say thanks to each one of you who tune in week in and week out. I'm so honored that you listen, and I love getting messages from you about how the podcast is impacting your life and your towns and your business. If you could take a minute to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen on, that would be amazing, and it would mean so much to me. And don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher. Huge thanks to Riley for being on the podcast, and thanks to you for tuning in. We'll be back next week. Have a great day, everybody.